0: back and it'll be a good one it'll be a good one it's I'm feeling really great guys I just woke up a, a little while ago I'm feeling rejuvenated refreshed well rested ready to rock ready to rip into the juice you know just like let's do it let's just get right into it let's waste no time but first, I'll waste a tiny bit of time because I need to change the name of the podcast because I don't think it's, uh... <laughs> I just changed it. It wasn't that long ago that I updated it to Free Jew Podcast, but at the time I was still a Jew. You know, I just thought I was a free Jew. But then I realized that the true free Jew is the Christian, you know, or the non-Jew. It's to, it's to leave, like literally free, you know, that's like me walking around the plantation being like, I'm the free slave. But it's like you're still on the plantation. Get off the plantation. Now you're a free man. So uh, this is what we're gonna discuss. We're gonna talk about. We're gonna do some Holocaust stuff today. All right, because uh, the the what what would you even call it? The I just heard my. My washing machine beep, but I just put the stuff in there. So that means something's wrong and I have to go balance the load. That basically just means I have to take stuff out because I put too much stuff in, but I didn't even put that much stuff in. My washing machine just sucks, but at least I have one. At least I have one. So I shouldn't bitch. Some people got to go to the laundromat. I don't have to do that. It's right over here. So just relax, Dave. It's okay. You have one. A lot of people don't be grateful. I saw something and I kind of already knew this was the case and I knew this was coming. Um, but this kind of confirms it to me more and just seeing the way things are shifting around the Holocaust narrative has been really like a lot of us, a lot of we, um, who who are um, seekers of truth, if you will. Um, We've known about this for years. I mean, you know, they're, they're, pe- people were starting to figure this stuff out back in the, in the 80s already. I mean, maybe even before that, there were people right after the war who were talking about this, but most of them were Germans and they knew it was bullshit. Some of them were like, um, <clears throat> some of them were uh, counselors at the camp, I mean, guards at the camps, um, and they knew for a fact that there weren't, you know, gas chambers and things of this nature, but they could not say that. Because they would be thrown in jail. I mean, to this day, they'll throw you in jail for, you know, for, for denial in Germany. Um, the, Ursula van der Vanderbeck, look her up. They threw her in jail when she was like 92 years old for a year for being awesome. That's like basically what the charge is. Ursula, you are hereby sentenced to one year in jail for being pretty fucking cool. Respect to you. But the law is the law. Taking a sip of coffee. Imagine going to jail for just being cool. Shout out to Ursula. She may still be alive. If she is, she's very old. But, wow. She's special. Okay. So, um. The, the, uh, the. What is the phrase? It's the tides are turning. The, the times they are a-changing. And it's kind of wild to see because this was something that, you know, I've just been exploring it. I'd known about it for probably like five or six years, but it was more in the context of just exploring it comedically and then, on, and, and then in the background on my own doing like serious uh, inquiry. But otherwise just trying to get people to laugh at it, which I've talked about before. But it's like it's happening. So a lot of us, a lot of we who have been known and been told you um, are looking around at each other like, oh, my God, it's happening. Oh, my God. <laughs> because it's not. And like. This always... It's important to clarify this. It is important to clarify this. This is not, like, out of hate. It's not... Anyone who wants to get to the bottom of what happened is not hateful. Some of them are, but many of us are not. We're just like... (coughs) You, you, you know... Especially if you grow up Jewish, like you, that is a huge part of your childhood. It's a huge part, especially if you go to Hebrew school. If you go to Hebrew school, you are constantly being fed Holocaust propaganda all the time from a young age. It's very, very traumatizing the same way um, slavery and lynching propaganda is very traumatizing for blacks. We always talk about it and we draw parallels there. And there's more parallels to be drawn on other topics. You know, like every, uh, every culture has their own, maybe not every culture. Lots of cultures have their own programming for the youth to traumatize them and get them to think and believe certain things. So this is not unique to Jews or to blacks. It happens to be particularly powerful though. And so, you know, that's a big reason why I left Judaism because when I was like, wait, this is actually lies. And it's not like entirely a lie, but it is, so much of it is lies. And, and then you like, You just feel betrayed. I felt very betrayed and I was mad and I still am kind of mad and I'm not mad at just average everyday Jews who think that the Holocaust happened and like, you know, I'm even, um, I know people who are like, who almost fetishize the Holocaust. I know Jews who almost fetishize it. They're weird, but I also get it because I know I went through the same programming. I was just able to snap out of it, but it's not easy, dude. It's not easy. And if you're not getting someone, if someone's not able to lay it out for you in a in a way that you're not gonna immediately become extremely defensive and think that they wanna they wanna bake you in an oven. I mean, that's kind of what it is. They're interpret like they're interpreting it that way, which is why it's so hard to snap them out of it. Because as soon as they hear you say and you go, well, just like based on the number of crematoriums, for example, it's not. And then they go, wait, you want to bake me alive in an oven? You want to gas me and my family to death? That's what they hear. So that's why it's so hard to talk to someone. Like if someone like... If someone said to you, like if someone came up to you and they were like, hey, how you doing? And, and then you, all you heard was like, there's, I have a knife and I'm going to stab you in the throat. Then you'd be like, get away from me. So it's just the way that they hear it. Like, I think they're literally hearing different words, but it's because of the wiring in their brain. You know, I don't even know if this is true, but I, I remember learning about it in biology class that like the way that the, like our eyes are, are, um. The way our eyes work is that they everything's like upside down and then it like inverts it. I don't know. I remember learning about that and thinking it was really bizarre. But that's actually true like according to by by like the the uh, anatomy of the eye. I mean, again, I don't I don't know if I believe that, but there's some kind of mechanism that like inverts it. And so you see everything the way that you do and i think that that is like a similar mechanism that jews have and like i said all these different people depending on what you're talking about it's like if you were to say um, you know i i think you know thomas jefferson actually treated his slaves really well then then people are like wait so you think we should be back in chains is you saying we should be back in chains oh sorry massa, you think i should be back in chains you're like no 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 i didn't mean i didn't mean that i'm just saying like he had a really beautiful property, and he he treated his slaves well. He would let them, you know, grow their own crops and uh, sell them at the market on Sundays, and he let them buy their freedom. and uh, And then they're just like, "Oh, so you just want to start lynching blacks?" And you're like, "No, I, ah, oh, sorry, I mentioned it." And you're like, "All right, just you, you win, you win. Just sorry." So. That's what I think it is. I think like a lot of these Jews are so programmed and it's not just Jews. It's not just Jews. It's a lot of Christians too. They're so programmed um, that you say like, you say that like those weren't gas chambers, they were de-lousing chambers because there was a lot of disease. And they're like, and then what they hear Like, you said those words, but then it goes through their ear and their brain processes it, and they're like, wait, you're glad that my grandparents died? Well, I guess at this point it would be great-grandparents, but they're like, wait, wait, you're gleefully celebrating the death of my great-grandparents? And you're like, oh, Jesus, man. No. Sorry about your great-grandparents. I'm just saying they they weren't gassed in those chambers. They were de-loused. You know, like to clean them of, uh, so that disease wouldn't spread in the, uh, in the camps. And they're like, oh, okay, that's what I thought you said. You do hate my great-grandparents and you're glad they did. You're glad they're, they're dead and you wanted them to suffer more. You're just mad that they didn't suffer more. <sighs> okay. The times are a-changing guys. And a big part of it is Gen Z. And I already knew this was happening because something went viral a couple months ago. And uh, it was a testimony from an eighth grade Jewish teacher. And I'm going to guess. (coughs) No, I'm actually not even sure. I just know she was an eighth grade teacher. And she told this story on Reddit. And then someone screenshotted it and they were sharing it around uh, Twitter because it's really funny. She was like, I am completely disgusted. Um, I've been teaching my class about the Holocaust, which, first of all, why are you teaching? Why do 14 year olds need to know about the Holocaust? I didn't learn about you know, like the Soviet gulag system, which, by the way, we need our own gulag system. I might get into that later. Um, until college. And it was only, like, voluntarily that I learned about it. But if you're going to just look at the door and you're going to talk about death numbers, and this is just officially recorded, and I don't even, I don't know if this is true, because it's, but, you know, according to historians... Roughly the same amount of people, of Ukrainians, you know, most of them Christians, died in the Holomdor, which was between like 1933 and 34, I think, I have the years right, I know 34 was one of them, it might have been 34, 35, of a forced famine, the architects of which were largely Jewish Bolsheviks. This is why Slavs hate Jews. You know, it makes a lot of sense when you start learning these things. But I didn't learn about that. Why didn't I learn about the door? If we're gonna talk about, you know, horrible atrocities, if that's like, you need to know, don't shy away from it. You need to see the videos of the emaciated bodies. You need to see this. Then why wouldn't I also need to know about the door? Why wouldn't I also need to know about the Great Leap Forward in China? And I'm rethinking all of these things, and I have been for a while, you know? Like, I've talked about that on the podcast before. They say that, you know, Stalin, it was anywhere from 20 million to 66 million dead. And I'm like, 66 million dead? What was their population? How's that even pop? There's no way there were more than, like, 100, 120 million people in Russia and you're telling me 66 million died? I mean, I guess, okay, if it's the Soviet Union, then maybe more. But that would be like at least a quarter of the entire population. How could you sustain, you know, like production and like, how is that possible? 66 million, that just seems like, no, there's no way. Even 20 million just seems outlandish to me, but then they're like, that's the low end. It could be so much, so much more than that. Because you ask them, you go, how is there such a big range? Well, that's the other funny thing. I used to I used to do a joke about that where they're like, well, it's just, I don't remember what the joke was, but the point of it was like, Soviet Gulag, anywhere from 20 to 66 million. Mao Zedong and the Great Leap Forward, anywhere from 30 million, to 70 million. The Holocaust, six million. Six million, that's it. Uh, are you what if it was like what about like four to eight million and then six million? No, 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 it's six million. That's it. So you're like, okay. Um, and then I I I remember I was friends. Well, not really friends, but I I there was a history. One, uh, there was a comedian who was a history teacher, and then he was like, his uh, ex- explanation was like, well, the Germans kept really good records. And I'm like, have you seen the records? Or did the Jews just tell you that? I mean, come on, dude. What are you talking about? So the Germans were like the worst people. The, the German Reich was like, the Third Reich was the worst, most evil... Organization, political body to ever exist who 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 inflicted the most evil upon the world ever, but they documented all of it. I mean, they're not like dishonorable, like they have honor. Look, they're honorable guys. They're not gonna like destroy records to try to cover their ass. If it was clear that they were losing the war in 1940, you know, late 44 or into 45, why wouldn't they destroy the records? Well, that would be <laughs> that would be unethical. Dave, look. Putting Jews in gas chambers and gassing them alive and torturing them and you know, making them explode and doing really disturbing medical procedures on them, that's just it's part of that's part of the game, but uh, we don't destroy records. We don't destroy the records. We destroy the Juden, yes. But we don't destroy the records. We, we are not monsters. How do you say this? I can't really do it. German. I can't do it in German. Uh, sorry, but it was good, It was good enough. You got the point. So they don't destroy records. They just destroy Jews. Okay. Okay. And how about this? There's no bones, right? There's no, like, um, there's no bones. There's no, they say, um, and this is the thing. Sorry, I keep taking sips of water. I woke up, I had a cigarette right out the gate, and I'm a little, uh, hoarse. (coughs) So, this is a point. We'll talk about, I'll talk about the numbers at Auschwitz after this, too. So, um. 1.1 million died at Auschwitz is the claim, but there's no, they didn't find any bones there. They didn't find human remains. Okay. So, um, so that means that they killed all the Jews. Okay. They killed 1.1 million Jews. And they also destroyed the evidence of their bodies, which it takes a a while to cremate a body and it requires fuel. So they're wasting fuel while they're fighting a war that requires uh, quite a bit of fuel, actually. You know, planes run on fuel. You guys familiar with planes? Oh, what about tanks? You guys hear about these tanks? How how many miles a gallon do you think a tank, do you think a German tank in 1942, how many miles to the gallon do you think that thing was getting? Probably like a Prius, right? Maybe 55 miles to the gallon on that. So yeah, you know, they had, I'm sure they had a lot of uh, fuel to spare to burn 1.1 million bodies. So you go... Wait, so they destroyed the evidence of the bodies, but they didn't just burn the paper in a pile? Like, you could have 1.1 million pieces of paper, and you could pour a little gasoline on it, like a cup of gasoline on it. In fact, you could pour even a gallon of gasoline on it. They could spare a gallon of gasoline. And then you just light a match and throw it on 1.1 million pieces of paper, and they would all burn And it would all turn to ash. Yeah, that would actually be, you could destroy all of the evidence in like, you know, that might take an hour. So they didn't do that. They didn't destroy the records. Well, Dave, we know because they didn't destroy the records. Okay, but you can't find the bodies. So they destroyed the, well, yeah, they destroyed the bodies, but they're not going to destroy the records. They're not monsters these are guys these these were honorable guys you don't just destroy records we need it for record keeping you don't just destroy records but you burn those bodies and you grind up the bones so they can't find the body yeah you do that I mean these are people we're not talking about they're not pieces of paper. You're not going to burn a piece of paper or shred it. You know, that's like the. uh... okay. so let's continue. Let's go back to the eighth grade teacher. She's saying on this Reddit post that went viral on Twitter in uh, in my neck of the woods, if you know what I mean. She's like, I'm extremely disturbed. I'm teaching my eighth graders about the Holocaust. And a lot of them are making jokes about how it didn't happen. And a lot of them are saying, she's like, one student stood up and said, Hitler sounds pretty cool. And everyone laughed. Okay, so they've lost the kids, guys. That means it's over and it's just a matter of time. Millennials, they got a lot of us. But there's plenty of us who know better. Boomers, there's probably not a single... There's maybe like 12 boomers who who know. I don't know how many million boomers there are. There's several. There's many millions of boomers. I don't know. What is it? 50 million boomers? 70 million? I, I don't know what the number is. I'm just ballparking it. Wow, that was a good block. I have a basketball game in the background. Tennessee, Illinois. I don't know a single boomer, you know, you know, uh, who, who knows, but, um, it's, it's over. I mean, I saw that as soon as I saw that I, I, my, my heart smiled, you know, because, um, they lost Gen Z and then I got confirmation of that. Because I saw there was a poll and look, I mean, I say confirmation loosely because it's a poll and they're never really, but even if we're going to give it like a plus minus range of even like 10%, even if we're going to say it's maybe lower, maybe 10% lower, maybe 10% higher, like really give the benefit of the doubt to this poll, it says that It said that like 22% of people... Okay, you know what? I am going to... Okay, look. I'm not even going to give the poll any credibility because I didn't look at the poll. I don't know what the questions are. And I don't know how many people were surveyed. And I should look into that before I'm going to make a claim that this is some legitimate poll. But this is bigger than a poll. This is a metaphysical thing that we're experiencing. This is a force of nature. Okay, and I can feel it in my plums. And I know you can too. 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 You know it, I know it. We don't need a poll, we both know it. It's awesome, it's happening. (laughs) Guys, it's happening. The poll said that allegedly 20, I think it was 22% of people under 30 think that the Holocaust is exaggerated and like 20% think that it's a hoax. If it was like 2010 and you're a person, this is not long ago, if it was like two thousand. Not even that far back. If it was like 2000, well, let's take when it was like everyone was crazy and it was 2016, but that was more about black people and women with the Me Too stuff. But let's just say not long ago at all, if you were to even suggest that one element of the Holocaust narrative was perhaps embellished. Even if you were to say, well, it, I just, I don't think, even if you were to suggest, like, well, it maybe, you know, based on some of the research I've done, it seems like it's more like 4 million dead. Like, whatever. I mean, if you just wanted to, it see actually, you know, if you were to even say, like, according to the Auschwitz Museum, they only claim that 5.3 million died. Then you would be like, you would, you would be ostracize yourself. You would lose friends. At least if you live, like, where I live, you know. Um, I'm sure, like, you know, you could pull that shit. I'm sure you could have been a Holocaust denier a long time ago in, in, like, more rural areas where people are in all uh, gay. So, they lost the youth. And that's where it happens. That's why this is so important, and this is actually, like... This is actually crazy Because as I said All of that programming happens When you're a kid That's when it's the most powerful That's when they show you Those videos Of uh, you know The the liberated camps And the starving people Emaciated How many of those videos I, I will bet you I will bet you, because it's so easy. Who the fuck knows if that's a camp? You know, because everyone's seen a picture of Auschwitz. <laughs> but then they, they, you know, there's like, I don't even know how many fucking camps they claim. Like six camps, eight camps, ten camps, something like that. But some of the more obscure camps that like people haven't heard of, like, I don't even know some of the names, but like Brachenhau. It was we were we were prisoners at the Brachenhaeck camp. I don't I, that I'm making the I'm just making German sounds. We were prisoners at the Brachenhaeck camp. It was a smaller camp, modest camp. We were no Auschwitz. I mean, we always used to make fun of those Auschwitz guys. Uh, everyone's always talking about Auschwitz, but what about Brachenhaeck? Everyone's always talking about Auschwitz. This Auschwitz, that. Well, some of us we're at more modest camps you know some of us were more refined those auschwitz those auschwitz guys they're always talking about oh oh we were at the biggest concentration camp we had the most 1.1 million well you know what over at brachenhau we we were we were getting tortured too okay all right we were getting gassed up too <clears throat> Over at Brachenau. Everyone's always talking about the Auschwitz guys. Oh, wow, so cool. You were at Auschwitz. Wow, look at you. Oh, Dachau. Wow, that's so awesome. Wow. Oh, look at me. Look at me. I was at Dachau. Everyone's heard of Dachau. Fuck those guys, dude. Fuck those guys. I was at Brachenau. You've never heard of it. We just didn't have a good marketing team. I get it. The Auschwitz marketing team, those were some really savvy Jews. But what about Brechenau? What about Brechenau? How did I even get, where where did this rant start? I think that was a good bit. I just did, I think that was pretty funny. I should probably write that down. That might be a good, you can maybe turn that into a joke. That's probably how people at like Cornell look at people at Harvard, people at Brachenau. I'm actually, hang on, let me get the name real quick. Let's look it up. What were the names of the German, Concentration camps. Let's find out. <coughs> I'm gonna find the, the the smallest one. Oh, one of them's called Brighton now. So maybe I subconsciously knew the name because I was saying Brechenau. I think Brighton now. Oh, there's like. Columbia, dude, <laughs> that's, no way, what, wait, that fits the joke perfectly, those were early camps, it says Columbia concentration camp, what, that's so funny, because Columbia, isn't Columbia University like a, like an Ivy League that no one respects, dude, that's per, can you guys believe that, and you tell telling me that God isn't real? You're going to be an atheist that you just saw that happen? You just witnessed that live. (laughs) God just delivered me that bit. That was incredible. Guys, this is one of the best moments in in the podcast. You see what happens when you stop being a Jew? God starts speaking to you. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Guys, that's actually crazy. I hope a lot of people listen to this episode because this is really good. I'm just doing a bit. Can we just recap that? I'm doing a bit, talking about how the guys at the smaller concentration camp probably resent the guys who are at Auschwitz and Dachau because they get all the press. And then I compare it to someone being at, like, Cornell, like a lower-level Ivy League that no one respects, and the way they look at Harvard. And then I look up the name of a smaller concentration camp, and one of them is called Columbia, which is the name of an Ivy League school that no one respects. Holy shit. (laughs) That's the coolest thing. Oh, one of them's called Bergen-Belsen. I grew up in Bergen County. That's so nice. Arbeitsdorf. Buchenwald, that's the Buchenwald is like the um, so look, um, let's let's rank these. <laughs> this is a fun bit. <laughs> Auschwitz is Harvard, obviously. And then Dachau is Yale. okay? So then what would um, so then uh, Buchenwald is Princeton? I think that that right, I think we would agree with that. Columbia is Columbia. right kaiserwald kaiserwald is probably like brown who, who who's ever heard of that who i didn't even know that was an ivy you'll say brown really that's an ivy league huh oh wow and let's find the <clears throat> let's find the worst one A Warsaw concentration camp that might be like a, like a middle of the pack, like a Stanford. Is Stanford an Ivy League school? I'm not. I'm not really sure. If it is, then then that's Warsaw. And then some of these concentration camps, I bet, were like state schools. They're like Krakow Plaszow, like you've never even heard of that. That's like Indiana State or something. You know that's not even ivy that's just like a middle of the pack they don't even have a great sports program you know that's like what we're talking about here oh man flossenberg okay so that's a really good bit and i'm so glad that that happened live and like we all experienced that together I was not prepared that was divine intervention. I, 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 something like the Holy Spirit was in me. I, I just felt the Holy Spirit in me. What an experience, dude. Hallelujah. <laughs> this is the funniest episode I've done in a while, bro. Okay, okay, okay. I hope you think so. I hope you're enjoying this as much as I am. I'm really having so much fun. Where was I? I was talking about they lost the youth, so it's over, guys. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that it's over. And they won't know that it's over. But they are going to be these people, and it's just going to age out. It's just going to fade away. It's going to fade away. You know, which is why probably I imagine that the Jews are cooking up something new. And uh, I don't know where they'll go next, but what they're gonna have to do is make the Muslims angry enough and also destroy America enough that America can't defend them and make the Muslims mad enough to actually go scorched earth on them, but evacuate everyone and then move them somewhere else. Wouldn't it be funny if the Jews escaped to Argentina? <clears throat> Didn't that guy Malay? Oh, my God. So much is happening right now. The new Argentinian guy, I think that they're later, leader, they're later. His name is Malay. Argentina, yep. And he loves Israel. He's like, he wears a yarmulke and does like Jewish rituals. He's like basically a Jew. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. Hezbollah is gonna launch a full-scale invasion on the West Bank or something. The Jews are gonna be fucked. America is not gonna be able to help them. Iran is gonna start intervening. And the Jews, with their resources and their savvy, are going to escape to Argentina, but they're going to claim that they all died, except for a few. But in reality, only some of the delhi jews will die because you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet and the rest of them will escape to argentina just as the germans did after the war i really like <clears throat> it's such a good rabbit hole guys i mean this is the like the problem always was this is why I, I'll tell you why I'm excited about it. And it's not because I think that a lot of these Muslim activists, like their level of disdain for Jews hasn't really changed. I don't think. I think a lot of us who are like me, or some of the podcasters that I listen to like um, Owen and uh, Owen Benjamin and Pete Canonez and Thomas 777 and Nick Fuentes and like guys like that. It's not like a hatred thing. It's just like it's frustrating to find that something is untrue and to, to, to be like ostracized for pointing it out. And for people to accuse you of, of uh, having, of being hateful. When you're just like, no, I, I'm just, this is the same thing I'm doing with anything else. And sometimes they like it. Sometimes you point out something's a scam and they like it. (coughs) I had plenty of like Jewish friends. Not plenty. Okay. I had very few Jewish. I had, okay. I'm not saying I, this, okay. Here's the point. I had a couple Jewish friends who did agree that COVID was a scam. So then when I was like saying stuff like that or like, you know, saying the vaccine is definitely sketchy and not to get it, they liked it. And at that point I was being ridiculed by other people for going against the grain. But then if you talk about their thing, then they're like, no, this is hate. And I'm like, did, but did I like, you didn't think I hated like science. You didn't think I hated, you know, like all the vaccinated people when I was talking about that. I was just pointing out what I thought was a scam. And there's a, there's a um, video that I saw on, on Twitter and um, it was like an episode of the Montel Williams show, which was like a show in the '90s, daytime like talk show. And he had two Holocaust deniers on. They had this is how different the '90s was. He had two Holocaust deniers on, and they talk for a while, and uh, he's asking him questions. The audience is asking questions, and then they have a, and then they have three Holocaust survivors. Then they put them on on stage two with the two Holocaust deniers, and one of them's like a historian, scholar, whatever you want to call him. And it's, it's like, dude, it's daytime talk television, and it's funny because by the time it gets to the end, because the. Um, The Jewish argument is strictly appeal to authority. It's strictly appeal to consensus and appeal to authority. That's the whole argument. So they won't get into the weeds. Because once you get into the weeds, it becomes obvious that it's a lie. They can't afford to get into the weeds. So they simply say, well, all of the historians agree. It's the same thing climate change people do. Well, 99% of climate scientists agree. And you're like, that's not even true. But you believe that. So you'll just say it. And anyone who says anything to dispute that, or they want to get in the weeds. Like when I show people that um, I'll do a quick digression because I do know where I'm going next, because we're going to go back to this Auschwitz thing and the idea that it doesn't make sense. Oh, fuck, wait, I lost it. Hang on, hang on. I'm going to get it back, don't worry. I'm getting it back, I'm getting it back. I want to make sure I have it. It's always appealed to authority, though. And you'll notice if you watch that, if you can find that video, just maybe type in, like, Montel Williams Holocaust Denier. I don't know if you'll find it on YouTube, but um, you might be able to find it on Rumble or on Twitter. Um, Fuck, where is it? Damn it. I need to fuck. Hang on. I'm going to pause and find it guys. One sec. Okay. So just so I don't lose it, lose this again because I have it open on Twitter. And if I let my, my phone go idle, then it's going to just go back to the home screen. Um, I'll do this now. And then I'll, I'll make the, um, and then I'll make the point about the climate change thing. Cause I'm like, it's so obvious when you just point out these things, you don't have to debunk everything, but if, if you point out enough and OK, one sec, I'm going to read you this because this is another problem. A.I. is a Holocaust denier, and it has to be because it has to draw upon the available information from historians and also from other sources. You'll see what I'm talking about. So this is going off mainstream. The A.I. isn't going to go grab stuff from a Holocaust denier website or something like that. The AI isn't going to go grab something from like a neo-Nazi website. It's just grabbing from mainstream sources. So this is, someone did this the other day and posted it, and this went viral. So this is talking to the AI. This is Google's AI. Google. How many Jews died in Auschwitz? It is estimated that at least 1.1 million people died in Auschwitz, the majority of whom were Jews. Were the murdered Jews in Auschwitz cremated? Yes. The bodies of those murdered in Auschwitz were cremated. How many crematorium ovens did Auschwitz have? Auschwitz had a total of four crematorium ovens. How long does a crematorium oven take to cremate one body? A crematorium oven typically takes between two and three hours to cremate one body. Is it possible to cremate 1.1 million bodies using only four crematorium ovens in four years. No, it is not possible to cremate 1.1 million bodies using only four crematorium ovens in four years. How many years would it take? It would take more than 78 years to cremate 1.1 million bodies using only four crematorium ovens. Guys, it's over. It's so over. Guys, it's happening. For real. I can't believe it. I didn't think I'd live to see it. I'm being totally honest. I did not... I didn't think I would live to see it. Let's extrapolate this out some more. So I actually want to do the math here. Based off what it... uh, Based off what, let's take this. So what would the AI, I'll ask the next question. I'll just do the math real quick. Um, I'm, I'm pulling out the calculator here. So it said 78 years to cremate, but, and we're being generous saying four years because I've heard, you know, there's, there's, they've had to adjust the Holocaust narrative so many times, but I've heard, and I remember learning this when I was younger and apparently, no, this is wrong. But I, I, my understanding when I was younger is that they didn't become death camps until 1944. That it was like the Germans, it became clear to the Germans that they were gonna lose the war. So they were like, fuck it, kill them all. So that would only be two years. But let's give them four years. Let's give them four. Okay, so four divided by 78. That's um, 5.1%. So what's 5.1%? Of 1.1 million. That's 56,000. So according to. According to the. Okay look hey. This is according to Google's AI. According to Google's AI. And the math that it produced. The maximum number of people. Who could have been cremated. At Auschwitz over four years is about 56,000 people. Guys. I can't believe how helpful A.I. has been with disproving this life. Isn't that crazy that we've had we've had A.I. for like over a year now, and it's I mean, it's not really A.I., but let's just call it a large language model. We've had these large language models for over a year now. And so far, their greatest contribution to discourse is disproving the Holocaust. (laughs) Woo! Not hate. It's not hate. It's not hate. It's not hate. I like the truth. I love learning what really happened. Or getting closer to it. Again, does that mean 56,000 Jews died at Auschwitz? I don't know. That's just what the math allows. And then, you know, like maybe they were just, maybe um, they maybe there is a uh, big burial site somewhere and they were taking them away. I mean, and that happened. But uh, 1.1 million how do you bury that many bodies it's it's like and and no one you'd find that if you're looking 1.1 million bodies 10,000 bodies okay even that's a lot that's a fucking lot but it's it's over guys we we did it We did it. And it's good. Look at it as a net positive. It's like all those Jews didn't, those those people lived. Like, Why would you be sad about that? Why would you be mad? Why would you be mad? That's like if an earthquake happened and the news first reported as many as one million casualties, you'd be like, oh my God, this is the worst event. This is the worst natural disaster ever. And then a few weeks later, the the news anchor came on and he's like, Thankfully, after um, searching through the rubble and after verification with the authorities, it was actually only, it was, it's still a tragedy, but the a million that we originally thought turns out to only be 25,000. You'd be like, wow, that's a horrible tragedy. But, holy shit, thank goodness, those 975,000 other people are alive. What like what? A, what a relief! What an incredible relief! But Jews are like, no, I want there to be six million dead. I want that because like I I I I'm, I was writing a bit that was like Jewish math because the old, you know. In the uh, wake of the war and up until the 70s, the Auschwitz Museum, you know, they have like an organization, like an institute or whatever. Their original claim was that there were over 4 million Jews killed at Auschwitz, and then they revised it down to 1.1 million, but it somehow didn't affect the 6 million. So it's like you go from 4 million to 1.1 million. We'll just make it easy. Let's say that's minus 3 million. So you go, what's Jewish math? 6 million minus 3 million equals 6 million. Like how does that, how can you revise down Auschwitz? And then they'd probably just say like, oh no, it was happening at all the little small camps. It was happening at Columbia University camp. Oh, it turns out there were way more camps than we thought, so we could distribute out the numbers evenly, and that's still 6 million. Jewish math is wild. If you're doing Asian math, then six, 6 million minus 3 million equals 3 million. That's Asian math. But if you're doing Jewish math, then 6 million minus 3 million is still 6 million. How about that? Guys, That this has been... I'm going to wrap it up soon, but this has been so good. So, the parallel that I was going to draw here, and you guys can go on, uh, it's not the best website, like it's a little, um, it's a little schizo, this website, but it's full of like really good data, and it's hard, like it's hard data from uh, the NOAA and like, You can look back on the actual records of like weather over time up to about 1890s. And mostly it's the United States because the United States started doing this before most other countries. So, up until a certain point, primarily the data that you're looking at is US data. But it's pretty, it's like a pretty good um, barometer. So, you can look. At these charts, and I've shown people these charts before if they want to argue about climate change. And I'm just like, there's just one chart that's the best one, which is just like the weather data average. um, I forget exactly what it if it's like average highest temperature. I think it's average highest temperature um, by year. And you can look at it. There's one chart that's like an official chart. And uh, it goes back to 1900. The way that they dupe you is that they'll show you charts that only go back to 1960. So if you look at a chart from 1960, it does appear to be warming. But if you look at the chart that goes back to 1900, you see the heat waves of the early 1930s, which are off the charts. And they're significantly higher Then all, I don't know how they get away with this where they go, it's the hottest year on record three years in a row. You know, they've been doing that like every year. This is now even the hottest on record. It's even the hottest on record now. It was before, that was just last year. But now, now, if you look at this chart, 19, I forget if it was 34 or 35, same with the door. These things were happening around the same time. If you look at like thirty four, thirty five, it dwarfs, it dwarfs 2020. It's not even close. So what I'm trying to explain here is you could point out these obvious things to a Holocaust fetishist. And you can say, how do they revise the number down from 4 million to 1 million Auschwitz, but the total number remains 6 million? This is an obvious, like, how could anyone, what would the, I don't know what the counter to that would be. And then you say, and then again, and it's like you also would point out the crematorium thing. What would they say to that? They'd be like, no, they were just, they were way bigger. They were way bigger crematoriums. It's insane. Look at the pictures of the crematoriums. Look it up right now. Just to have that visual aid. And then based off the math, I don't know how many people. Let's go with, um, let's, okay, I'm I'm going to do a little bit more math here. This is a math day. We're going to do 1.1 million, right? So how would we do this? We got 1.1 million. And then how many? Okay, well, first I got to do this. I got to do, we'll do four years. So we got to do 365 times four equals 1460. 1460. So that would have to, they'd have to cremate 753 people a day, every day while they're fighting the largest scale war ever with the most advanced weaponry that requires an insane amount of fuel and they have to resupply lines deep into the east people don't even people can't wrap their heads around that imagine imagine you're fighting a war like let's put it in an american like in american context i live in new jersey okay let's say the Republic of New Jersey decided to go to war and just started winning a bunch of territory, right? It would be like if you had to. But as the troops extend out west, like let's say New Jersey is gonna start conquering all of America and we're moving west. We'd have to go, you'd have to, you'd have to bring supplies. And at the time it was via train, and today it would still probably be via train. You have to supply the troops. You have to give them food, you know, weapons, artillery, ammo, everything. Imagine having to bring that out to, like, Pittsburgh. Imagine if, like, you and you're based out of New Jersey, the war effort is coming from New Jersey, and you're building the weapons in, like, a factory in Lyndhurst or something, and you've got to ship all of the supplies, got to go from, like, Secaucus to Pittsburgh. And then that's, like... And it's probably even more than that, because that's probably not even to scale. It might be like Ohio. Imagine you gotta bring supplies to Ohio to support your war effort. How much fuel is that gonna take? And you're gonna and you're gonna divert a bunch of your fuel resources, a bunch of your your oil and, and coal and like whatever else they were using, and you're gonna use that to just burn Jews 750 a day for four years, every day with not a minute to spare. The only way for that 1.1 million to be accurate is if they were burning 750 Jews a day at all times, 24 hours a day, one Jew after the next. One One in, one out, one in, one out, one in, one out, one in, one out, not a minute to spare. You have to do 750 a day running those furnaces constantly at all times for four years it's over guys guys it's over just to finish it up because i think another um i'll finish it and this this timing will be great we had like very little fluff in this episode this was such a good episode i'm just i gotta say it one more time and i'll probably say it again The last point that I'm going to make just to finish up the climate change point is like I've shown that chart to people and they just don't they don't know really how to respond to it because it definitively disproves man-made climate change at least the way that they describe it because you just look at the chart and you go hang on a minute man causes climate change because of the amount of carbon that we produce. And then you also say that transportation is like a huge driving factor of that. So all the cars on the road, all the all the planes and everything, all of this all of this uh, transportation infrastructure that we have that contributes the most to it. But you look at this chart, and you go you go well how is everything the highest in 1930 how does that work if everyone very few people had cars in 1930 by 1950 lots of people had cars 1960 70 everybody had cars probably 1970 everybody has a car and it's only increased since then then you're getting to like both parents have a car now the kids got a car Okay, the amount of production increased because the amount of the population in the world increased. The amount of like livestock and cattle that you need, which like oh, but they're methane, they're methane, they're methane, greenhouse gas, greenhouse gas, greenhouse gas. You're like all of that, but it was it was higher in 1930. So how does that work? And then this is the point that I thought of which is a really good one. If you're ever having a debate with these people, just say to them, like, are you familiar with the heat wave of 1930, of 1935? Just say 35. If it's 34, whatever, you're off by your years, fine. Ask them if they're familiar with the, the 1930s heat wave. Let's just call it that. By the way, there's other heat waves that are written about that go back that are, are described to uh, uh, be as, as bad as this 1935 one. They go back to, like, the 1500s. You know, people writing about this stuff. Definitely even further back than that. But, um, and I mean, you know, I take that with a grain of salt, but this is the same data. What I'm referring to with the 1935 heat wave is the same data that they're using when they say that 2022 is the hottest year ever, or 2023 is the hottest year ever. I'm just using their same data. So I'm just disproving their argument with their own, you know, I'm using their own weapons against them. Maybe that... 1935 stuff is bullshit, too. I don't know. I mean, it's just average weather temperature, so I don't think it's bullshit. Seems like pretty straightforward. I don't know why they'd lie about it. The, I, I don't think it's a lie because... the and, and the reason I don't think it's a lie is because now they'll only show you charts that go back to 1960. Okay, so the other point is what do bombs release... What does the fiery explosion of a bomb release? Carbon, right? Carbon dioxide and probably a bunch of other greenhouse gases. Okay, so World War I, millions and millions and millions of munitions exploding over a very small concentrated period of time. But you don't see a spike you only see the spike coming in 1935. And if you're gonna relate those things, because the spike is so huge in 1935, then you'd have to say, well, based off that math, then it, it has a lag. For some reason, it has a lag of 17 years. So if, based off that, you would have to also see a huge spike in 19. 19- 62, because that's 17 years after World War II. In fact, you'd have to see a way bigger spike because there were way more bombs, way more explosions, way more planes, way more mechanized um, vehicles, way more tanks, everything. So you'd have to see a bigger spike if it's related to that. If that's what's causing it, you would have to see it, you don't. It's bullshit, boom, we're done. I don't know what to name this episode because I do want people to listen to it because this is one of the best I've ever done. And I'm not sure... I'll have to think of a good name. But listen, guys, we... I'm really proud of us. I don't know how we're... The discourse is shifting and like, well, it's working what we're doing. We're shifting the Overton window. We we were fed up with it and they overplayed their hand. And it's the beginning of the end. And by that, I mean, well, no, it's the beginning of the beginning. It's the beginning of something beautiful is what I think. And I, I'm i feeling a a profound sense of hope for the future now in a way that I haven't in a long time, and there'll be some pain along the way, there'll be some growing pains, there'll be some suffering. Maybe the US will, maybe we'll lose our dominance for for a prolonged period of time, but we'll be back on the rise, you know, and, and we're gonna make things right. But it starts with this, and the rhetoric is very important. And I think we're opening the door for people like us to actually be able to speak in a way and, and just the overall culture shifting is you're going to have a lot of people who are just normal folks who have been afraid to say, even suggest things like this, are going to be more interested in this stuff. And they're going to start wanting to talk about it. And, you know, we're not going to like go have pogroms and like go to Jewish businesses and smash the windows in. We're not doing that because we don't behave like that because we're white and it's unbecoming of whites to behave like that. We don't do that. Remember who you are. But we're shifting the discourse, and we're going to take back our damn country. Right? Or whatever. You know, at least we're taking back the rhetoric. That's a big step. So thanks for listening, guys. I love you so much. Hope you really enjoyed it. We'll talk again soon.